Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show How y'all doing man? What's up cyber family? What's up new new fans? Maybe? <laughs> new listeners? You give it a shot You scrolling through on your podcast app And you saw that bright yellow smiley face And said what is this? Welcome <laughs> It's good to be here it's good to have you here. Listen, coming off this weekend, I'm glad to have the show. And uh, just just a heads up, man. Uh, I'm probably going to come across as a wet blanket. I know. It's becoming a common thing around here. The hate is thick today. <laughs> Let's intro this thing, man. Welcome back, Cyber Family. This is your first time joining me. Welcome this is Sometimes I'd Be Right. I'm your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! So I'm glad uh, I am glad I got this show. Because uh, after this weekend, after this divisional round of the NFL playoffs, man, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I have the opportunity to do this show. Because look, man, uh, we're, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a deep dive and get into all of it. My thoughts on everything, all the games, all, all my takeaways. Uh, plus, you know, I gotta eat a little crow too. You know, this comes with the territory. Uh, but I, I'm not gonna get into it now. I got some other stuff I want to get into first. But let me just say, let me just this is the theme for today. The theme for today's show is entertaining. Doesn't mean great. Just because something was entertaining doesn't mean it was great. That's all I'm going to say for now. Let's get into some quick hits. So uh, Canelo Alvarez is supposed to be announcing his next opponent for his May 7th fight pretty soon. And uh, rumors are starting to circulate that it's possibly going to be Jamal Charlo. And uh, I personally hope this fight happens. Not necessarily because I think Charlo is the best opponent. Not because I think it would be the biggest or the best fight that he could have. But just because I've been seeing and hearing and reading and watching a lot of hate about Canelo cherry picking for a couple years now. And the name that always seems to come up is somebody that Canelo's running from or ducking or hiding from is always Charlo. So let's see it, okay? Here's my problem. Here's my problem. Number one, if you think Canelo Alvarez, not, not even Canelo, if you think a boxer is legit afraid to fight another boxer, you're a dum-dum. Simply put, you're a dummy. These are, they box. That's what they do. That's their, that's their livelihood. That's their living. That's what they do. In order to walk into a ring and be willing to get punched in the face every day, (laughs) you got to be a little twisted. You're not worried about the guy in front of you. You're not thinking, oh, I'm scared of him. What is he going to do? No. It's, what? You, your mind doesn't work that way if you decided to become a boxer, right? This we know. So he, Canelo's not scared of anybody. Canelo has not refused to fight certain guys because he's afraid of them. 
It's a numbers game. It's Think about it this way. Any fight, any boxer, his next fight could be his last. Right? It could be your last. You could suffer a major injury. You could even die in there. Am I going to take that risk to prove to someone else that I'm not scared or am I going to go over here and take this fight where I can make much more money or I can go over here and do something historic or should I go just fight that guy who's got nothing to offer me simply because some section of a fan base Thinks that if I don't, then I'm scared and I'm running. No, I'm not worried about that. I'm going to get either this money or this glory. Charlo hasn't presented either one of those things to Canelo. So he's not ducking him. Canelo moved up to 160 for a Triple G fight. That was a mega fight. At the time he was fighting Triple G, a lot of guys were still saying, I don't know if it's worth it. I'm going to go up there and get embarrassed. I'm going to go up there and, you know. Yeah, Danny Jacobs fought Triple G and made him look kind of human. And people will say that's why Canelo felt comfortable now. They realize he was a little older. He wasn't the boogeyman like he was a year or two before. He had to wait. I don't think it was just that. But even with that being said, what fighter? What fighter? What fighter? That you know in mod and in modern era, between I would say since two thousand three, let's say, what fighter you know is just fighting all comers? Like no, we live in a world where your record means everything. If you're undefeated, we look at you like, oh, he must be good. And if you lose, and it's like, ah, get him out of here, right? So it's like. You're not going to, look, people said, uh, that I, all right, look at Billy Joe, Billy Joe Saunders. Billy Joe Saunders was undefeated, number one, you could sell that. Number two, he had a belt, you could sell that. Who's Charlo? Charlo's going to move up and wait to fight Canelo just because? Okay, cool, but if the casual fan doesn't know who Charlo is, he doesn't understand why that would be a good fight or why that's a fight that even needs to happen. So they might, nah, you're not going, you know what you mean? It's, the, it's not as much interest to say, well, I want to see what that is. That's going to be a big event. But if I say, hey, we got Canelo here, who's the champion at 168, and there's another guy who's got the, a belt too, and he's undefeated. You could sell it. The casual fan will say, oh, two champions? One of them is undefeated? One of them only only has one loss to arguably the greatest fighter of all time, pound for pound? You could sell that. I don't need to know who Billy Joe Saunders is. I don't need to have ever seen him fight to know he's 30 and 0, and he's got a belt. See, 30 and 0 is like, that's you. that's a lot of fights. And it, you need casual... I'm going off on a tangent. This is supposed to be quick hits. <laughs> The point is, is I don't think Canelo has been ducking anybody because he's scared. I don't think he's been ducking anybody. I think he's just been on a mission to make history. Because I think that's what keeps him interested in going to the gym every day. 
See, guys like Charlo are chasing the level that Canelo is on. So they're going to the gym every day working and grinding because they're trying to get there. Canelo's already there and he's been there. How do you stay motivated to keep going to the gym when you have more money than you know what to do with? He never has to fight again and he's set. So how do you keep going? How do you keep motivating yourself? How do you keep yourself interested in the grind? You set challenges. What was his recent challenge? I'm going to go be the first undisputed super middleweight champion in boxing history. Keyword, history. And he went out and he did it. And all the haters criticized his opponents. He just went and fought the guys with the belts. Callum Smith, you want to say he wasn't no good? That's fine. But he's the guy who had the belt. You want to say Billy Joe Saunders was overrated? He wasn't that good? Okay, but he's the guy who had the belt. The only way for Canelo to get the belt is to beat the guy who has it. Like, that's it. And they're like, oh, well, Charlo moved up to 160, and then Canelo went up to 168. Why didn't he just stay at 160 and fight Charlo at 160? Maybe he was having a hard time making 160 now. Maybe making 160, he felt like it was just taking a little bit of steam off the punches. Maybe 168 is a sweet spot. Because he went up to 175 to get a belt, right? To, to beat Kovalev and get a belt. So I don't know. So I'm just hoping that that fight happens. To be completely honest with you. I'm just hoping it happens. I don't know for sure if it will. I'm not willing to say that it will, but I hope it does. And I'm also interested to see what people are going to say after he beats Charlo. In my opinion... That pressure that Canelo puts on you for 12 rounds and he carries his power with him throughout the fight. He's just as powerful in the 12th as he is in the 1st. I think that that breaks pipes. Charlo has never fought someone as good as Canelo. Canelo has fought plenty of guys who are ultra skilled. Would Charlo be favored against Triple G today? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, again, it's still a massive step up in competition for Charlo. And he's going to have to move up and wait again. That's a big deal. So I'm sure people are going to, you know, downplay when Canelo knocks him out. And that's what I think will happen. I think Canelo knocks him out in round either 9 or 10. I think he does the same thing he did to plan. I think a couple of the early rounds, it looks like, you know, Charlo's having some success. But I think... I think ultimately it'll end the same. But let's move on. Supposed to be quick hits and I'm over here rambling. Uh, So full transparency, I have not been paying attention to the NBA the way I should. And frankly, the way I had been the past couple years, I've been like really into it. But this year, haven't been into it. All I know is that the Knicks suck. Um, They're the Knicks, man. That's just, it's so disappointing. You know, we talk about it all the time. Last year, they had a good year, and everyone said, oh, this year, they're going to get better. They're going to be even better. Julius Randle was his first year really having to carry the load. He's going to be better next year. And it's like, you know what? That's You can't count on that. Things change, man. Things change. And sure enough, they come in this year, and they look like the Knicks again, like the Knicks always looked. I'm convinced the franchise is cursed. It's just the way it is. There's no way. It doesn't matter who they bring in, who they get rid of, who they trade for, what great signing they make. Oh, man, what smart moves. It 
they always look just like the Knicks. I don't get it. But I, I so I haven't been paying attention as much. Um, but I'm I'm starting to get back into it as football season winds down. I'm starting to kind of starting to ramp up a little bit. And and what I've noticed is there's a lot of rumblings around the NBA now about trades and things like that. It's getting to that point in the season where people are gonna start making some moves. Well, one of the moves that's still baffling to me is the whole Ben Simmons issue. Number one, who's tr- who wants to trade for him and why? Like, all right, look, here, let's call a spade a spade. Ben Simmons is a six foot ten version of Rondo, right? Really good defender, really smart, like running offense, really good getting to the cup, but can't shoot a lick, right? He's just a taller Rondo. I still contend if Ben Simmons was 6'2", he's not in the league anymore. Like, his height is like, he's like a unicorn because he's so tall. Oh, look, just physically, like, you don't find that every day. Like, I don't need to. <laughs> I don't need Ben Simmons if I got Draymond Green. <laughs> right? Like... Like, they keep saying Golden State would want him. Like, for what? You got Draymond. He's a six foot nine guy who can dribble up court with the ball and make passes and is a good defender. I don't need another guy like that. I need more shooters. I don't even know if Ben Simmons can shoot. I just know he doesn't want to. I know he doesn't try to. And that's a problem for me. I don't want that guy. And not to mention, if you're thinking about trading for him, don't you remember how we got here? How we got to the point where he doesn't even want to play for Philly anymore? And that Philly has to trade him? Because he stunk it up. He was garbage. He was passing up open layups. It got to a point where he was so mentally wrecked about his shooting that he would get the ball and they would just walk away from him. And he would just stand there frozen like, "Uh, here, you take it. I'm not shooting. You crazy? (laughs) It's unbelievable. And you're going to trade anything for him? And hey, Philly, he's not playing for you, right? He hasn't played this year. He's not coming back, right? He don't want to play there no more. Okay, so what value does he have to you? You keep holding him up to this level of, oh, we're going to trade him. We got to get get anything back. Trade him for a Coke machine. (laughs) Trade him for a vending machine loaded with snacks for the next six years. Just get him out of there. It's a waste. Off with you. You know, see, I should be a GM of an NBA team because I feel like sometimes you got to cut bait, man. You got to just know, like, look, we're not going to get equal value back. If you're the Sixers, you're not getting equal value, right? You have a depreciating asset. The longer he sits out, the more people are concerned, the less people, less interested people are going to be. We all saw what happened. We saw how this turned out. We saw his reaction to it. Nah, no thanks. So we know he doesn't want to be there. We know you don't even want to trade him, but you have to. And because of that, I'm not going to mortgage my future for this guy. No, I'm going to get him for cheaper. So you have to just accept that you're not going to get the value that you think he's worth 
by the way, you're probably the only one that thinks he's worth that much anyway. Nah, I'm wrong. I'm the only one who just doesn't think he's worth much. (laughs) I don't like Ben Simmons. What has he done for you? He hasn't brought you a chip. He hasn't brought you to a chip. And he doesn't want to be there. So kick rocks. Bye. The next one is James Harden. So James Harden's going to opt out at the end of the year. Because he didn't sign his, his extension. And uh, Kendrick Perkins was talking about that he has interest in going to Philly to play with Embiid. My question again is, hey, Philly, you're going to have to pay him. And there's reports he could be the first player to get $60 million a year. You're going to have to fork that over. You know what I'm saying to paying James Harden $60 million a year? Hell no. <laughs> no. Again, listen, this isn't hate. This is just me. I'm just asking. I'm just trying to educate myself. There's people out there who are way more knowledgeable about basketball than me. I'm going to say this. What has James Harden done that makes you feel like that's the guy we got to give the world to? Does everyone forget how he flamed out in the playoffs multiple years? Does everyone forget how good... Houston was until they got to the postseason. Does everybody remember uh, in the series against the Spurs where he just disappeared? It was so bad that people thought maybe he has a head injury. Do you remember that? I do. I'm not enamored with triple doubles. You know what he is? He's, He's very, very similar to Russell Westbrook. Which is if you put him in an offense and you say, hey, you go run the whole thing, he's going to put up really good numbers. But the problem with that is when you get to the postseason and you're a little burnt out, everyone says, oh, he just looks tired. He needs help. The problem is you can't help those guys. Those guys, like James Harden has to put up his numbers. That's his identity. That's what he is. He's a numbers guy. That's it. Right? Russell Westbrook is just an effort and energy guy. And he's also kind of about numbers. Ever since he got trashed. When Durant left, he was the scapegoat and they trashed him. So he said, I'm going to show y'all. And he was a stat stuffer. But he also plays incredibly hard. So come the end of the year, he ain't got no legs. Ain't nothing you can do about it. No matter what kind of help he has, that's the way he's going to play. And if he does have to play second fiddle, like he kind of has to do in L.A., you see, it don't really work. Now you got everybody talking about Russell Westbrook sucks. They're talking about trading him to Houston. And Houston's saying, we're just going to buy him out. We're going to pay him $47 million to go home. <laughs> like, that's crazy. This guy was a triple-double machine. This guy will this guy will go to another team and put up the same numbers he had put up for years. It's just that you're asking him to play a different role that doesn't suit him. And the role that he needs to play doesn't suit you. It's just a mis the land of misfit toys. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, misfit players. I don't I don't like James Harden on my roster. I'm a Knicks fan. I have no interest in the Knicks going after James Harden. Don't. Why? We know what's gonna happen. They ain't gonna win nothing. That could just be me being a Knicks fan and being bitter. I don't know. I just don't get it. The other thing I don't get, I, this this is annoying to me, right? I, I'm on a rant now. 
you know what? <laughs> Quick hits has turned into rant time. Look, the Lakers are like becoming desperate to make a move to improve their roster. Hey, guess what? Nobody wants your garbage. Yeah, you have nothing worth trading for. There's, listen, your roster consists of a bunch of old guys that nobody else wanted. Now you want me to tr- give you something for them? I could have had them. I could have paid them. You, I, I chose not to because I don't want your trash. I don't want your garbage. No, stop, stop it. If you're the Lakers, you made this bed, lie in it. Hey, you didn't have to let Kuzma go. Hey, you didn't have to let Caruso go. Hey, you didn't have to let Montrez go. Hey, you didn't have to trade for Anthony Davis, who's such a liability. I'm whispering it because, you know, basketball aficionados swear up and down that Anthony Davis is the most unique, amazing player of all time. Like, the guy sucks. (laughs) Yo, let me break it down for you. If I think somebody sucks... It's not necessarily because they don't have skills. That's not what I mean when I say they suck. What I mean is, as a total... Yo, Anthony Davis gets hurt all the time. All the time. Anthony Davis, in my opinion, is a little physically soft. Okay? He's unreliable. If you're not reliable, what good are you to me? Get out of here. Be gone. Kick rocks. I would trade him. If that's your best... Matter of fact... (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going there. I was going to say trade LeBron. But nah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> nah, listen, I'm just ranting. But honestly, like, Anthony Davis might be the best chance you have at salvaging something. Because Anthony Davis, people will trade for. I think I think you need to take a step back and figure out where do we want to be in five years. Instead of thinking we need to win a championship this year for LeBron or next year for LeBron, you got to think beyond LeBron. Because thinking about LeBron in this year is what got you in this spot. Bringing in all the veterans that when we get to the playoffs and the game slows down and it gets more intense, we need all the veterans who have experience, who have been there, who have felt it, who know what to do, who handle the pressure. The problem is if you can't win games in the regular season, you don't make the playoffs. It's stupid. That's quick hits, man. I'm done. Let me move on with something else. Listen, sound the alarm. Ring, ding, 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 ding. I've finally done it. No, not the top NFL quarterbacks list, although I'm working on it. No. What I've actually done is I've compiled my top five 2022 NFL draft quarterback rankings. Why only five, you ask? Because after five, it's garbage. And even the five I got, kind of (laughs) weak. This quarterback class, listen, this quarterback class is booty. Okay? But I'm so interested in it because this is the first time in my life where I've decided, instead of just having an opinion based on limited information... I'm going to actually go look at it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe seeing highlights, maybe seeing a game here or there during the season, not the way to judge. You're right. I 
personally believe that when it comes to quarterbacks, for some reason, somehow, some way, I don't know why because I never played quarterback, okay? But I feel like I could look at quarterbacks and give a real good assessment of who's going to be good and who's going to be bad, okay? Now, I know some of you are laughing because I've spent the entire NFL season talking about why are you trading Matt Stafford for Jared Goff? Why are you trading Jared Goff for Matt Stafford? They're about the same. <laughs> and after this weekend, I look like a dumb dumb. But more on that later. Back to this NFL draft class. So I've been watching film on the players. And look, every single person on the planet wants to go through and find a guy who you've never heard of from a small school and say, this guy is legit. He's got potential. I'm telling you right now, that ain't in this draft. It's boo-boo. It's bad. And the fact that a, a player is going to get drafted in the first round to me is bonkers. I wouldn't draft the quarterback. I don't care. So let me go through my list, my top five. And there's two big names you'll see that have been completely omitted from the list. Okay, I'm going to start at number five. For me, my number five player, Malik Willis. Yep, I'm going with Malik Willis at number five. Why? All right, let me go look at my notes. All right, Malik Willis, he's listed at 6'1", 215. Ah, that's a red flag. Okay, but cool, we can get past it. We got smaller quarterbacks now. He's athletic, right? Sure. First thing that stands out when you watch him, he's got a really good arm, right? Big arm, can sling it, got a little bit of touch, but he's sketchy against pressure. Soon as they get a little, soon as that pocket closes a little bit, he's sketchy. He starts getting real jittery, looking to take off a little too early. He's got athletic ability to escape the rush, so he's got some good legs. I think in the NFL, it's gonna it's not going to look the same as it does in college because you played at Liberty. You know what I mean? Your competition level was eh, not the best. He kind of looks physically similar to like a Russell Wilson, where he's a little short, but he's very compact and stocky. Like He don't look feeble out there, you know what I mean? He's not afraid to go downfield. He loves throwing the ball downfield. No problem with that. I like that. He does tuck the ball very quickly um, to run the ball, right? So he he's not willing to stand in there. If it looks like they're getting a little he's out. He's very quick to run, which I guess, you know, you're playing at Liberty. Your offensive line is kind of weak. Like, I guess that's what happens. And then... Uh, and I, I, that also, where he plays in the competition, he plays week in and week out. I am concerned about what it's going to look like stepping up that far in competition. Because even when he went against bigger schools, it didn't look nice. It looked kind of like uh, lesser. You know what I mean? So I have him with a draft grade of the fourth round. I wouldn't take this guy before the fourth round. And the fourth round is kind of being like, at that point, you probably have to if you want to take a chance on him. But, you know, that's just, you know what I mean? My number four guy, I know, surprise, surprise, uh, Kenny Pickett. Listen, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Kenny Pickett, to me, here's what he is to me. He's a guy who it's easy to root for uh, because you could tell he's tough. You could tell he's competitive. 
He he's like really determined. He'll do whatever it takes, right? So you you like like you just like his attitude, right? Like he's easy to root for. The problem is the skills ain't there. And my biggest thing, my number one thing, was accuracy. Now I know. Listen, it's crazy. Todd McShay. Everyone keeps talking about how accurate Kenny Pickett is, but let me tell you something, man. When I what when someone says, "Hey, a quarterback's really accurate," what's the first thing you do? That's right. You go look up the stats and you look at his completion percentage. And if you look at Kenny Pickett, you will see this year he threw sixty-seven percent. And you say, "Wow, that's that's a good number." Yeah, watch the game. Watch the games. I watched about five different complete games of Kenny Pickett. Right. And there's one thing you can consistently see. Number one, guys are wide open. Right? He's not making a lot of tough throws in a game. It's probably one or two each game he'll make where you say, mm, he, he fit that in there pretty good. Other than that, guys are wide open. A lot of the deep balls he throws, guys are turning completely to face the quarterback to catch the ball because it's so underthrown. A lot of times across the middle, guys are turning around to catch the ball. It's it's very rare that like he has so many passes where a guy will be streaking across the middle and he throws it and the guy either has to stop to catch it because it's behind him. He, he makes it, it. He doesn't do a lot of I'm able to catch it in motion and keep going. He doesn't throw guys up the field it, like his throws are off. Now, guys are making catches. So it's a completion, but it's not put the ball is not put in a good spot. And against tighter windows, those are picks. Or those are drops, or those are getting batted down. I don't think he's accurate. I have real issues with his accuracy. I think he's off on a lot of throws. Why? Because he's got a good, not very. Like, he's got. It's not. It's it's an average arm. As far as quarterbacks go, he's got an average arm. He's got enough to to get it there. But the problem is, is he has to put so much. He's a body thrower. Right. You know, I talked earlier this year about like uh, CJ Stroud and how when he throws the ball, it looks effortless. The ball just flies out of his hand. It never looks like he puts his whole body into it. It looks like he just it's just natural. It's just so easy for him. Right. Kenny Pickett is the opposite. When Kenny Pickett like is trying to gun the ball in there, you see it like physically. It looks like he's putting everything he has into the throw. And because he has to do that, it's not always accurate. It's not he, it looks very forced. Uh, he's a sneaky athlete. Um, but I am concerned about his ability to break runs at the next level. I think he'll do a lot. Um, you know, as a quarterback, you can get a lot of cheap yards because everyone's got their back to you. Um, I think he lacks anticipation, waits for guys to be wide open before throwing, leading to throws that are behind target. There you go. He doesn't anticipate. Right? So he's not throwing the ball to a spot where the receiver is going to be. He's literally waiting for the receiver to make his break and then throwing it. Which, you know what I mean? You got to throw it to, you got to anticipate. You don't have time to do all that in the league. I think he's going to have issues because of that. He's a good rhythm passer, but he struggles if first option isn't there. I'm reading you my notes, by the way, in case you're wondering, in case it sounds like stilted or stunted talking. I'm reading notes. I made notes as I was watching these games. So what I mean by that is. If he drops back one, two, three, and then is supposed to make the throw, if the guy's there, he's good at that. If the guy's not there and he's got to go to read two or three, yeah, it, it, yeah, it gets sketchy. 
Uh, he's a tough guy. He seems unbothered by big games or big moments or competition. He seems like that doesn't matter. Like he's always all in. Um, he's overly confident in his arm and makes too many risky throws. That's another thing. He's a guy that believes he can make the throws that he physically can't. And so he throws it and he tries to squeeze it in the windows and he got away with a lot this year. But there's a reason why. Listen, I'm always going to be worried about the guy who was doing okay and was not really on the radar as being a draft pick and then has one good year. And then all of a sudden, whoa, this guy is shooting up the boards. Why? I also am am worried about the guys who were really highly regarded coming into a season, didn't perform very well, and now they move down the list. Why? His skills are still his skills. Sam Howell is that guy. Okay? Sam Howell was looked at as QB1 coming into the year. He had a bad year. Now all of a sudden, nobody seems to want him. I didn't like him coming into the year. I thought he was boo-boo. He ain't in my top five. He's trash. Anyway. Yeah, so like I was saying, Kenny Pickett makes about two to three passes a game that are impressive. That's about it. It'll be like two in a game where you're like, that was that was a nice throw. Other than that, it's all real textbook college stuff. Guys that are wide open. Uh yeah, it's not it's not good. And I said he could develop into a solid starter with the right team. So basically, like, solid starter to me, best case scenario, I think, like, like a a Taylor Heineke type. (laughs) Which is, like, not bad, but, like, you're not, like, excited about it. I, I got him as a mid to a late second round pick. Because I think he's going to be a really good backup. Like as a guy that could come in for a game or two here or there. A series if need be. I think he'll be great for that. I think he's a grinder. I think he'll study. And I think because of that, you could get yourself into a situation where, you know what I mean, you could have a good backup who develops into your starter. But I don't know. It's iffy. For sure, it's iffy. Anyway, at number three, I have Matt Corral. Now, look, this is a guy who I didn't like at all, right, coming into it. And then after watching him, still had some questions. Uh, So my notes are he's a good athlete. Um, He's very good. He's so good when it comes to quick throws. When it comes to three-step drop, get the ball out, he's great. Like, he's, he's perfect at throwing the slants. Quick slants, on target, every laser. Lasers. Quick throws, lasers. He's a little small, though. I think size-wise, he's a a little low. Um, and, And the problem is, although he's great at those quick rhythm throws, if the first read isn't there, he panics. And you can see it in his body language. As he has to go from read one to two to three, he looks panicked and rushed and flustered, and he's ready to take off. So you got to keep him in rhythm, then he's going to be great for you. But that's it. One of the pluses for him, though, is he's super confident. You know what I mean? You can see it in his demeanor, his attitude. He believes he's the guy. The problem is, is he doesn't 
throw the ball downfield enough for me. Most of his throws are going to be short to intermediate. He doesn't really push the ball downfield. Now, I'm not saying he can't because he does have good zip on the ball. He does. He has thrown deep passes, and it's like, yo, you can get it there. His arm is plenty good, but he just, I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't know if he's, I guess he's not confident in that, but he don't do it enough for me. All right. So for me, I got him as a mid-second rounder. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know what? Like, I might be willing to take a chance on him because he's got uh, he's got a great attitude. You know what I mean? Like, he seems like a guy who could win over a locker room and get people to buy into him. He kind of reminds me of young Jimmy Garoppolo before you saw him play. <laughs> so, like, when you still thought, like, oh, should they get rid of Brady? Like, maybe Garoppolo's the guy. He reminds me of that because, like, he has that same kind of demeanor where I'm the man. I just need my shot. You know what I mean? So I, I kind of like him. I kind of like him. And number two, I got Carson Strong, right? Carson Strong, for me, has the best arm in the class, right? Like, just straight up, throw the ball, biggest arm. The knock on him is everybody says like he's a prototypical drop back quarterback. He's got no, he can't run, he can't escape. Yo, you don't. I hate this. I hate this. You have guys in the league now who are super athletic, like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, and even Joe Burrow runs, and you know you got a bunch of guys that can kind of move around are a little quicker than you would think they should be. And now all of a sudden it's like if you don't do that, we don't need you, we don't want you. That's that's bogus. Carson Strong, to me, is a starter. He's going to be a starter in the league. Now, his ceiling might be... Trying to think. Probably like Kirk Cousins would probably be like a little better than Kirk Cousins. Because say what you want, but Kirk Cousins is like... He's solid. You know what I mean? Like, he's a little... He's better than average. I didn't do my rankings yet. He's pretty good, but that's Carson Strong's my number two and number one. I mean, that's I'm as surprised as you will probably be. My number one is Bailey Zappi. Yep, the guy out of Western Kentucky, which is being knocked only. The only knock on him is that he's playing in a system that just seems. Is he that good, or is it just the system? Is he like like the quarterbacks from Hawaii used to be? Where you put up massive numbers, but like it's just the system works. Well, he's going to be playing in the Senior Bowl, and I'm really excited to watch um, to see what he does against that level of competition. The best of the best around the country. But I'm very, very high on Bailey Zappi. To me, that's a first-round pick. If I'm in need of a quarterback, I'm lying. Realistically, he'd be a second-round pick. But if (laughs) if I'm in desperate need of a quarterback and I feel like we gotta have one... And you need to take, like, that's the first guy you should consider taking. Everyone else, nah. Bailey Zappi, though, that guy, first of all, he loves throwing it down the field. He will throw a deep pass every chance. Every chance he gets, he's taking that shot. And he's accurate. Like, that's a guy who's actually accurate. Throws it, um, consistently throws it in a position where, okay. Here's my notes on Bailey Zappi, just to give you an idea. First note, loves to throw downfield. Slightly above average arm, but not special, right? Easy throwing motion. He's not a body thrower. When he throws the ball, looks effortless. Now, the ball doesn't have that zip, but 
It gets there, and he consistently puts the ball in a spot that allows the receiver to make a play after the catch. That is so important. Like a receiver on a slant will catch it in stride and can just run up the field. A receiver doing a deep post will catch it in stride. Like he's throwing it on the money because he's got great anticipation. He's throwing it to a spot where you're going to be, and you're going to meet the ball at that spot and keep on going. He's great at that. The only quarterback I've watched that is like that consistently. Over and over. His his completion percentage is accurate to how accurate he actually is. Not a byproduct of guys just being wide open and they're turning whichever way they got to turn to get the ball because there's nobody around him. He's got great touch. Great touch on the deep ball. Um, I do question if, if his aggressive style with a lack of an elite arm, is going to get him in trouble in the NFL. Because you can go for it if you want to. You could take those shots, but if your arm, it might hold you back. I don't know. I'll have to see in the senior bowl and the practices what he could do. Maybe in the combine is pro day, but I'm still high. He's got good enough speed to get out of the pocket so he can elude the rush. Nothing crazy, nothing special, nothing transcendent, but he's he's good enough to be able to get you three or four yard gain and make something out of nothing, right? And he maintains good balance throwing on the run, leading to accurate throws. He's accurate on the run. He's got great mechanics. I do question the level of competition, but that's it. But that's my number one guy. So that's my list. Bailey Zappi, Carson Strong, Matt Corral. Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis. None of them are first-round picks. Two of them are second-round picks at best. The other two, nah. Sam Howell, undrafted. Desmond Ritter, undrafted. Boo-boo. This class is garbage. But let's get off of college. Let's move on to the pros now. This is wild. This was not wild card weekend. This was divisional round. All I've heard for the last couple days is how amazing all these games were. Ah, no, they weren't. Let's face it, they weren't. All right. I was most interested in the Bengals and the Titans. So let's let's start with that. Actually, no, let me just ask this question. Hey, uh, when it was 10-10 in the snow in Green Bay, were you excited? Were you interested? Were you entertained? No, you weren't. You know what you were entertained by? The fact that there was a game-winning field goal and Aaron Rodgers was about to lose. And oh my God, what a shock. The game itself was boo-boo. Let's be honest. Hey, the Bengals game, we'll talk about that in a second, but that game wasn't like crazy it just came down to a field goal and again because it was a walk-off field goal you think that game was so great it wasn't and look when Buccaneers were down 27 to 3 did you think this game is amazing no it's only because there was a comeback in the fourth quarter that you forgot the whole rest of the game was trash it was one-sided and then you had a bunch of crazy wacky things happen in a short period of time and you went crazy hey Same thing with Kansas City and Buffalo. That game wasn't great. It just had an unreal finish. They scored so many points in the last two minutes. But hey, guess what? That's not great. 
It was bad defense on both sides. They were just giving up plays. Again, entertaining? Absolutely. Great? No. No, it wasn't great. Because if you're Buffalo, are you saying, man, I'm glad we had such a great game? No, you're thinking, how do you give up those throws? 13 seconds left and you let them drive down the field. You're not thinking, oh, man, what a great game. It's only if you didn't have a rooting interest you thought it was great. But you don't think the game was great. The finish was great. And it wasn't great. It was just entertaining. Me personally, 2007 Super Bowl 42, the Giants and Patriots, Patriots 18-0 going against the Giants. That game ended at 17-14. That game, um, what, second best football game I've ever seen. Why? Because you have both defenses operating at an elite level. The strategy that had to go into it, you got to call. But you're trying to figure out something. Like it was two teams playing at their best, right? Two strong defenses making stops, being smart, making adjustments. One team reading the other. But like it was amazing. It was t- it was close the entire time, and you felt like at any moment this could turn into something crazy. At any moment, any one of these teams could score. You know what I mean? Like that anticipation, that build up, the pressure, what was at stake. Yo, this might be the first team to ever, 19 and 0, most wins ever, like the, only the second team in history to go undefeated. And in the modern era, no way. Like the stakes were so high. That game was amazing. That was a great game. That's a game that if it comes on tomorrow, you're going to sit down and watch it and say, man, this is a great game. You know what you're not going to watch? You're not going to watch Green Bay and the 49ers. No, sorry. You're not going to watch Kansas City and the Bills. Like, you're going to watch the last two minutes of that game. That's it. I'm being a wet blanket. My bad, y'all. Anywho, let's go game by game. So, game one, I was interested in. I was interested in Bengals Titans. Why? Because if you ask me. Joe Burrow's top five quarterback in the NFL. I've been saying for the last couple weeks he's borderline top five. Nah, he's top five. He's top five. Look, I've been a big fan of Joe Burrow for a long time. Uh, I didn't always have a podcast, so I didn't have a platform to say it on. But if you talk to me, I told you not Joe Burrow the real deal. Ask my brothers. During the national championship game, I said, yo, Joe Burrow throws the best deep ball of anybody I've ever seen. It's always on the money. It's it's um you could it's amazing how well he throws the ball. It's and the the best the reason why I put Joe Burrow in top five right now is is because Joe Burrow is gonna continue to ascend and get better and better and better because he's ultra competitive and he's got the perfect level of arrogance, but it like he's that dude. You know what I'm saying? He's that guy. Hey, guess what? When Brady retires, this is the guy. This is the guy. He's got the best shot to be in that GOAT conversation after Brady. I'm saying it. Look, what you have what I pay attention to is you gotta pay attention to the subtle things. The guy never seems concerned. He never seems flustered. He got sacked like nine times. At no point in that game did he look... He, every time he got sacked, he would just pop back up like nothing happened. Calm, relaxed, like, ain't no big deal. 
He not yelling at the offensive line. Nothing. Just it's cool. Don't worry, we got this. Don't worry about it. Like his whole demeanor is like, yo, you just that dude. It's it's as if he knows what's gonna happen. Like he already knows the outcome. Like, yeah, we good, man. Don't worry about it. I already know we're gonna win this game. Don't worry about it. It's amazing. Joe Burrow's absolutely elite. Joe Burrow's absolutely top five. And Ryan Tan, listen, Christmas time I had family over and me and my brothers were arguing or we were talking about a quarterback list and they asked me about Ryan. They said Ryan Tannehill was better than, they said Ryan Tannehill was better than Jared Goff, I think. I think that was the conversation. (laughs) And I said Ryan Tannehill was trash. And they scoffed at me. Like I was crazy for saying Ryan Tannehill was trash or Ryan Tannehill was boo-boo. He's a solid quarterback if you don't ask him to do anything. He, you know what? I take it back. He's great if you only need him to throw it 10 to 12 times a game. Any more than that, it goes from great to good to average to he's below average. Of the 32 quarterbacks, he's in the bottom five. He's absolutely replaceable. He's the guy who you'll keep if you don't have a choice. But if you find someone slightly better, you're switching. If they had a backup who was all right, he'd be gone. I'm just saying. He's boo-boo. And I try to tell y'all that. Ryan Tannehill is boo-boo. And it's not just because he threw the interceptions. That's not why. It's it's the decisions. It's what what are you trying to do? You know what? Knowing who you are and what you can do is so important, right? You have to know that. You have to know who you are, your limitations. You have to know all that. He doesn't. He tries to do things he's not capable of doing. On the other hand, Joe Burrow always seems to be in complete control of his emotions, of the game, of what's going on. He seems like he's got everything figured out. He's never rushed. He's never panicked. He's never flustered. Cool as a cucumber. That's the dude. Look, my takeaway from this weekend, that's that dude. Now, I know everyone's everyone's all hyped about Josh Allen. Oh, Josh Allen. Listen, to be honest with you, Josh Allen's way better than I ever gave him credit for. Right? Not just last, not just this last game, but the game before that. I Since Christmas, when we were talking about quarterbacks, I said, Josh Allen, yeah, I ain't all that. Nah. He's a guy, too. Right? He's in that top 10. But everyone's all hyped about that and Mahomes and oh my God, look at that. Nah, Joe Burrow is quietly, and that's how his whole career has been. That's how he was at Ohio State. That's how he was when he went to LSU. He just quietly, you kind of don't realize it is happening, but that dude is about, is about to take over the NFL. I might put him at my number one over Justin Herbert. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Talent-wise, Justin Herbert is off, off the chains. He's off the charts. But Joe Burrow, I have a rooting interest in because I personally really like the guy. And I'll say it again. Uh, I liked him at Ohio State. I didn't understand why he didn't get to play because he was throwing deep balls. And it was just amazing. He's just, he's, just, he's just a great passer. But also, I fell in love with Joe Burrow and said, that's my guy. That's who I want on my team in that bowl game against UCF. He showed me something, and I think that's where it clicked for him, and it's it's been that way ever since. So now we go over to, um, you know what, let me eat some crow. I have to eat some crow because I, oh, I started uh, the season and this podcast 
talking about the Matt Stafford and Jared Goff trade was the most useless trade ever. (laughs) And I said, Jared Goff is good enough to get you to a Super Bowl because he's done it already. You're trading him to get Matt Stafford, who hasn't done that yet, and you're assuming he's more capable than Goff is. I don't think that that's the case. Now, I think he's more talented. Sure, absolutely. But I don't think the team is doing better now than they would have with Goff. Now, don't forget, Goff didn't have Beckham. Goff didn't have Vaughn Miller. Goff didn't, like, they sold out. They gave up their entire future. They have no draft picks. They gave up everything. To make this work. And that's where I said. Matthew Stafford has a lot of pressure. He has to get it done now. They've they've turned every stone. And said we have everything you would need. To win a chip. He has to. Super Bowl or bust. Getting there. Not good enough. In order to justify the trade. You have to win a Super Bowl. And you are maxed out. In every way. Financially. Draft pick wise, player wise, you've exhausted all resources. You have to do it. With that being said, although the defensive play call was absolutely atrocious to do a corner blitz when you have your slot defender lined up across from Cooper Cup, the the best receiver in the league this year, the guy who had the biggest stats, the guy who gets thrown to more, more than anybody else. That guy, when he's across from you, you don't send the corner and leave the safety one-on-one. You don't do that. And why are you blitzing anyway? What difference does it make? If he's got time but no one open, like it don't matter. But I will say, again, with all that being said, Matt Stafford showed some cojones. He threw that ball confidently. Of course, he kind of just threw it up. But <laughs> my, you can hear it, right? You can hear my hate coming out. Look, the point, what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to give Matt Stafford credit. Matt Stafford showed me that he's got some cojones. The way he celebrated with the coach after making the throw, the fire he showed, I like that. What happened was, what I have to do is I have to backtrack on this. Because I think what I found myself doing was rooting against the Rams and Matt Stafford and... I don't want to do that because I've always liked Matt Stafford. Right? Like, I have no problem with Matt Stafford at all. I just thought the way that Jared Goff was being crucified and stoned on his way out of town was unnecessary. And I felt like the guy you're replacing him with isn't even as accomplished as he is. And so for me, it was more defending Goff that made me say... Nothing against Stafford, but golf's not this bum that you're talking about. And Stafford's not this god you're making him out to be. So I think uh, just to get all that out the way and be able to just enjoy what I'm watching and enjoy Stafford making plays, like, I'm off of it now. Jared Goff is gone. He's probably going to be let go by Detroit. He'll probably end up as somebody's backup, even though I believe he's a starter in the league. I don't know. I just got to let it go now. But Matt Stafford still hasn't done anything that Goff hasn't done. 
Let's just put that out there. The trade still seems like a wash. If he doesn't win the Super Bowl, it was a complete wash. Because what you traded for was a guy to get you over the hump. Not a guy to get you to the hump and do the same thing. And if you're going to make a trade like that, you better get your money's worth. And I don't think they, they haven't as of yet. If they win the Super Bowl, then yeah, you got exactly what you wanted. I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. And Chiefs, Bills, yeah, the end of that game was incredibly entertaining. It was so entertaining that my three-year-old son was watching the game and, like, actually watching the game. He didn't really know what was going on, but he wasn't complaining about nothing. He was actually watching it and engaged. I was rooting for the white team. He, of course, was rooting for the red team because he thinks it's funny to root against me. (laughs) I don't like Kansas City. I don't. I'm going to say it. I don't like Patrick Mahomes. I don't like his arrogance. I know that's just hate. I have no reason. I don't, you know, take it back. I don't dislike Patrick Mahomes. I just don't root for him. <laughs> you know what they seem like? They seem like that team. They, it, them, and the Rams are kind of similar. Where you have all of the good players, like you have such a good team, and so you go into every game and should be the favorite, and you are the favorite, and then when you win, you make it seem as if like you've done the impossible. And it's like, do you understand what your roster looks like? You have all of the advantages. Stop making it seem like everything you do is like this unbelievable feat. That's why I don't like them. I don't like Tyreek Hill and his little peace sign. That's why it was so funny when Antoine Winfield Jr. put the peace sign in his face. That's what you get, dum-dum. And that should have been a penalty, which means it would have negated the touchdown and then that things could have been different. I don't know. But the point is, with 13 seconds left, you can't give up those plays. You can't let Kelsey run. Look, Travis Kelsey was in the slot, and the only guy on that side was the cornerback. And when he, when Mahomes said, hike, the corner started drifting towards the sideline. Like, hey, bruh, where you going? The, the guy that you would be responsible for, Kelsey. And guess what? If it was like a zone coverage where he was dropping into his zone, ain't nobody else over there. <laughs> like, at least, like, go towards Kelsey and maybe make Mahomes come off that idea rather than just leaving him wide open. 13 seconds away, man. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I felt bad. I felt bad for the Bills' offense. And I felt bad for the defense because you got to go in that locker room and be like, we lost. You sent us back on the field with 13 seconds and the lead, and we lost the lead, and then we went out in overtime and lost in overtime. Like, how do you face the offensive t- players and, like, not just apologize profusely? Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <sighs> now, the biggest thing for me that I want to talk about actually is is Aaron Rodgers. Now I don't I don't know if you remember, but in the beginning of the year, I said the Packers made a mistake by not trading Aaron Rodgers. And my point was Aaron Rodgers isn't winning your Super Bowl. You've got one Super Bowl in 15 years. And outside of that, it's been a lot of disappointment. But you get far in the playoffs which means you're picking in the late 20s. 
Well, if you're always picking in the late 20s, you're not getting, you're probably not getting a first round graded guy. They're probably all gone by the time you pick. So you're not getting the best player at any position, right? So you're not able to dramatically improve your team through the draft quickly. You got to hope to hit on some late round guys. And you're in Green Bay, Wisconsin, so you're not attracting the biggest free agents, even with Aaron Rodgers. People still would rather go somewhere else. Why? Number one, the weather stinks, and it's an odd place probably compared to someone if they want to be in a big city. And number two, Aaron Rodgers doesn't guarantee you a championship. See, Tom Brady can go can get people to go anywhere because he's got seven. So it's like, nah, there's a good chance he's going to get us there. Aaron Rodgers ain't that guy. So what I was saying was, hmm, after this year, Aaron Rodgers, well, first of all, Aaron Rodgers expressed he didn't want to be there anymore. You had to, like, beg him to come back and, like, try to sweeten the pot and give him an extension, give him this, that, and that. Even now, he's talking about he's not really sure what he's going to do next year. He might ask for a trade. He might just retire. He might not be interested. So my point was, what's going to happen is you're going to keep this guy, go through the season, and then you're going to do really well because it's, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's going to do well. And then you're going to get to the playoffs, you're going to have a crappy draft pick, and then he's going to end up leaving for nothing. When at the time in the offseason, the world is yours. Name your price and anyone was willing to pay it. And everyone said, oh, you'd be stupid if you trade Aaron Rodgers. And I said, why? I said, trade him for a bunch of first-round picks, first and second-round picks. Let Jordan Love play. Best-case scenario, Jordan Love is your guy. He's on a rookie contract. He plays phenomenal. He's a Russell Wilson type. Oh, my God, this guy's way better than we thought he was going to be. Now you got your quarterback, and you got a bunch of first and second round picks to build around him. Worst case scenario, you got a bunch of first and second round picks, and you suck. He sucks, and you're going to have either the number one, two, three, or four pick, and you got another. You got two first round picks, two second round picks, and they're all good high picks. Right? Or you got one early pick and one late pick, which you could either trade to get a different quarterback or, like right now, Russell Wilson's available. And I say he's available. Why? Because Seattle's in a bad spot. And if you had, if you're Green Bay, if you had a sucky season and you got like the second pick in the draft and then you got like, I don't know, I don't know who you traded them to, but maybe you have like the 21st pick, you could trade those two first round picks and like a third or something and trade them to Seattle to get Russell Wilson. Right? Like something like that could happen. Like you never know. Like you never know. But instead, you begged Aaron Rodgers to come back because the, the sports community convinced you or you just felt so desperate. Like we have to have, we can't, we're not going to do better than Aaron Rodgers. You don't have to do better than Aaron Rodgers because guess what? Everyone thinks Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Everyone thinks Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL and he's knocked out of the playoffs. He ain't there no more. He ain't, he ain't playing right now. Oh, he at home? So, what? I can't do better than Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's still playing. Joe Joe Burrow. Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes. Like, all these guys, like, you don't have to be better than Aaron Rodgers. I think that's a mistake. I think if you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and you think about trading him, you think, well, if I don't have anything better, then I can't trade him. No, 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 no. You're probably not going to get better, right? Because Aaron Rodgers, is he's really good, right? But he's a jerk. But he's really good. <laughs> but you don't need Aaron Rodgers to win a Super Bowl. 
because quarterbacks have been winning Super Bowls not named Aaron Rodgers since 2009 when he won his only Super Bowl. So it's been a long time that Aaron Rodgers isn't winning Super Bowls, and a lot of other guys have been. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been to a Super Bowl, and a lot of other guys have been. You don't need Aaron Rodgers to win a chip. You just need a good quarterback. And you, Green Bay, because you foolishly passed on the wonderful opportunity that the gods gave to you. This is the second time they've gotten a gift. Do you realize that when Brett Favre decided, I want to be wishy-washy about if I'm going to retire or not, you just happened to have Aaron Rodgers waiting? And you were able to put him in and, whoa, this guy is phenomenal. And that transition was made real easy. And you had an opportunity to take advantage of the fact that you now have that guy saying, he's being wishy-washy about what he wants to do. I don't really know if I want to come there. And instead of saying, you know what, let's trade him, get a massive package, because guess what? Quarterbacks are going to be overpriced anyway. People would have given you, you know how much Denver would have given you? And if you stink after trading him and Jordan Love's not the guy, well, A, now you know that Jordan Love's not your guy. But right now, do you know that? You have no idea because you haven't seen him play enough. You would know if he got to play 16 games. That's number one. Number two, if he did stink, then you have a great draft pick and you have other draft picks to build something better. Or use those draft picks you acquired to make a trade to get a quarterback better than Jordan Love. But right now, you're in a weird state of limbo where you're not going to get better through the draft because you're picking too late and you're probably not going to get the top guys at any position. So you can't even make... Your first round pick isn't even going to be a get on the field day one and be a contributor. He's probably going to be somewhat of a project. And that's what you got. That's where you are. And then next year, if somehow... Aaron Rodgers decides, I don't want to be here no more, and you end up trading him next year? Oh, they're going to get lucky again. I hope he stays. (laughs) They're going to get lucky again. They're going to end up trading him this offseason, getting draft picks. Jordan Love's going to stink. And then going into next year's draft, when you potentially have like a C.J. Stroud coming out, you're going to have the number one pick, and you're going to be able to transition to that. That's going to make me mad. Why are my teams cursed? Why the Cowboys can't get the quarterback position right? Except for Tony Romo. He was the right guy. And they booted him out of town. Did I ever tell you that I feel like that's karma for them? That they're going to they're gonna suffer for a long time because of that? Look, the way they got rid of Romo was foul. And they bought into the hype and the excitement of this young guy and ignored the fact that the system around him and the players around him and the setup was perfect for him to come in and be successful. They bought into the hype and they trashed the guy that gave them so much. And you know the worst part about it isn't even that he got benched. I agree with it. You're like 10 straight wins. You don't take him out. You ride the hot hand. You tell Romo, hey, man, you got to sit this one out. I get that. I'm not mad at that move. The move that was foul was in the offseason when they were refusing to basically just release him. And they kind of forced him into a situation where CBS was offering him a crazy deal to come start there. And he was saying, I kind of still want to play. And the Cowboys were like, yeah, but we're not going to release you. So you can either be a backup here or we could try to trade you somewhere. But, you know, we're in control. And it was like they kind of forced his hand and kind of, in my opinion, forced him to just retire. 
because what was going to happen was way too iffy to stay, and he had that guaranteed money from CBS, and so he took it. But that sucks to me, though. That made me feel bad. Anyway, but, yeah, my teams were all cursed. And then stupid teams like, you know, like Green Bay are going to can be stupid and get away with it. <laughs> anyway. Man. It's so annoying. That's my time, man. I hope you had a good time today. Listen, this was a little ranty today, right? My bad, y'all. I kind of feel like the rant, though, is like, you know, my signature. Eh, anyway. Listen, I had a good time. Listen, so predictions. Uh, Look. There's only two games on this weekend, right? Look, Joe Burrow, he gets it done against KC. It's, it, I just feel like he's got that it factor. I feel like it's looking like it's his year. It's his time. It just it just has that feel to it. You know how you watch and you're like, man, they, they just gonna, they run, gonna run the table. It just looks like that to me. It feels, I believe that, 100%. And then I think the Niners are going to go in there and beat the Rams. I think Matt Stafford has one of those games that make you say, like, you don't want to say he choked, and you don't want to say that he can't win the big one, but it's kind of like, was that on him? One of those. So I think Super Bowl is going to be 49ers versus the Bengals. Fight me. (laughs) Anyway, man, I hope you guys had a good time. That's all for today. Listen. Enjoy the games coming up this weekend. Be safe. Listen, if you go and gamble, please, 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 please bet responsibly. Don't go out there losing all your money because of what happened last week and you think, like, something crazy. You know what I mean? Like, you think the Rams are, like, destined for greatness or whatever. Don't go out there and bet the mortgage on that. Tell you. If Actually, you know what? Let me take that back. If you want to win money, go with my picks. Sometimes I'll be right. I'll see y'all next week. God bless.